This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Funbelt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Funbelt. Very excited about the Sunbelt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Funbelt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record, MIA, as always, Jeremy Harper of Hal Razor. Shane, we are one year removed from the miraculous Sunbelt Week 2. And this week, it's Week 2 of this year. Do we see the same magic? I think it's potentially a very good week for the Sunbelt. You can't you can't replicate beating three of the most prestigious and historic programs in the entire sport on the same day. Those games just aren't on the schedule. But I think there's opportunities for it to be a very good week for the Sun Belts if they can take care of business in a few of these. And more importantly, we get to kick off Sun Belt Conference action with the Raging Cajuns traveling to Old Dominion. I don't know what to think of this game. I, I, I think that Old Dominion still has a ways to kind of prove themselves. I know that they played a, a kind of bad Virginia Tech team last week, falling in that when the Raging Cajuns finally got their game in against Northwestern State. My gut tells me it's Cajuns all day, all the time, but <laughs> I, I can't help but count out Ricky Ronnie and, and, and what he's building there with the Monarchs. Because this is a huge game. I mean, it, it's a huge difference to be 1-0 versus 0-1 this early in the year in Sunbelt Conference action. ODU, for their struggles, has knocked some people off in Norfolk, including Virginia Tech last year. Um, you know, they, They've surprised some people when they've had to go all the way out to the bay there. Um, I think... Louisiana is just in a better spot as a program right now. Oh, I mean, a little bit better. They're still kind of rebuilding as well. But, um, you know, I don't know if we're underselling how well ODU played at Virginia Tech. I'm not high on Virginia Tech, but then I'm surprised to see that they're a favorite against Purdue this week. You know, so maybe Virginia Tech's not as bad as I think they are. At least Vegas doesn't think so. You know, maybe that was actually a pretty solid showing for ODU to go out there and be competitive that game and into the fourth quarter with a brand new quarterback, you know, losing a lot of your playmakers from last year, and you're still you're still in that one. It could be a test for Louisiana. I definitely like the Cajuns. I have a big gut. My gut tells me it's the Cajuns. Ben Woolridge gets the victory there on the road, moving the Cajuns to 1-0, getting them back up in the Sunbelt Conference West standings. And they have the early road to host that Sunbelt Conference championship game once again. To me, though, one of the bigger games of the weekend, do you want to go big game or do you want to get all these FCS matchups out of the way? Um, We can, we can mix a match so we're not uh... – <laughs> Not front-loading it too much, but yeah, we can talk about the big game right now. To me, the biggest game of the weekend, there's there's several. 
But to me, the one I have circled the, the heaviest, Marshall traveling to East Carolina. East Carolina, to me, is a great program. It's a program that if they decided they wanted to jump ship out of the American into the Sun Belt, I would welcome them with open arms. Uh, great storied program. But we can't talk too well about them this week as they host the Marshall Thundering Herd. Pirates 0-1. It's a little bit of a, I guess, um, it's an old CUSA rivalry back when CSU, CSUA was a legit conference <laughs> with Marshall and you know East Carolina and stuff. Like These programs have history. Um, you know, I kind of almost wonder if we didn't see Marshall already looking to week two last week when they kind of like squeaked by their FCS opponent. Um, because this is a big Not game. I this is one case. I, yeah, I know. I mean, but I mean, this is the one like, you know, if the Marshall players are out grabbing a burger or walking around campus or talking to a professor or whatever, they were not talking to them about week one. They were saying they were talking to them about the East Carolina game because that game matters to Marshall fan base. Like I said, you know, you talked about East Carolina, if they ever wanted to jump ship to the Sun Belt, they've got a history with, you know, and or regional proximity to a lot of teams in the Sun Belt. East. Probably none as much as Marshall, just as far as the history of those teams playing each other in some good games. Um, so, I mean, I think... I think we'll see. We'll learn a lot more about Marshall this week than maybe we did last week. Pirates got just a field goal in their loss to Michigan, number two Michigan. Yes. And and just soundly beat. I mean, five of 13 on third downs. They weren't really able to effectively move the ball. That field goal was really kind of a gimme there at the end of the game. But I I can't help but but agree with you there, Shane, that I think the Thundering Herd were looking ahead. I think that that's not the same Marshall team that we're going to see this week, not the same Marshall team that we can expect to see in week three and beyond. That that was kind of a fluke there against the Danes, and, and I like the Herd. Yeah. I mean, I think that might be like a common theme among some of the uh, Sunbelt teams that didn't exactly uh, thrash their FCS opponents last week when you kind of look at who they had – coming up but we'll see we'll find out if that was the case for uh, those teams or if we're just making excuses short and sweet especially since jeremy's not here arkansas state headed to memphis to face the tigers red wolves got a lot to show me before i even remotely think about picking the red wolves I didn't see really anything too positive out of last week's game. Yes, they're playing a top 25 Oklahoma team, but Memphis is is no pushover, and they got to come ready to play, and I don't think that they will. Yeah, it was just – it was not a disappointing re- result to even say that Arkansas State got blown out in the opener. I mean, we were just talking off air. If they'd have lost 42-7 to – we might not be so down on the Red Wolves right now, but to just be absolutely, absolutely crushed. 73 was well, 73 to nothing. I don't know. It was 70 something to nothing. And you just it didn't even belong on that the, point. You didn't even belong on the same field <laughs> as Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think the, the image of players consoling coaches on the sidelines is, one that kind of sticks out from that game. It would take a huge, huge turnaround. And we've seen some big turnarounds from week one to week two 
in the past. It would take maybe the biggest I've ever seen for the Red Wolves to pull one out this week, I think. Another game that I think is going to get a little out of hand, and I hate to say it, loving some Will Hall. Southern Miss travels to Florida State. Florida State riding cloud nine, having beaten a top five LSU team. They're now in the top five. It's not going to be a fair fight. I think Florida State is trying to show that they are back, in the words of Texas, and are going to just roll over Southern Miss in this game. Frank Gore, I think, does get his 100 yards, but that's probably the the, the one shining moment for the Golden Eagles. Yeah, um, I still expect Southern Miss to be a pretty good team this year and all of that, but they may be facing the toughest opponent anybody in the Sun Belt plays this year. Like Florida State just looks so good week one. Um, you know, I can't think of anybody maybe who was more impressive in their opening game against a really good opponent than than the Seminoles and 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 the Golden Eagles. I think are just catching a uh, yeah a, a rising power coming back to uh, coming back to life at the wrong time. If you're a Southern Miss fan. It happened. I mean, you're always going to walk into that buzzsaw. It is what it is. Would love to be wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, w- I would absolutely yeah. love for the, for Southern Miss to go and pull that upset. I just don't see it this week. Another game, though, that we have circled that I like a lot, App State taking on the powder blue of North Carolina. It was a ho-hum game until the fourth quarter last year when it turned into an absolute shootout. Drake May already in the top ten of school history for passing yards. Joey Aguiar looked good for the for the Mountaineers, but that was against Garner Webb. What do we think happens this week? I I'm a little nervous for the Mountaineers. Um, they may lament not pulling that one out last year and that you know epic shootout against North Carolina to get that in-state victory because I think North Carolina is better. They there's another team that looked good in Week One, not Florida State good, but good enough to beat a lot of teams. They're going to be playing at home. It'll be, it'll be the home opener in Chapel Hill after their fans got excited by what they did against South Carolina. And now they're bringing in a app state team that they absolutely will not overlook because of what happened last year, the way that game went. Um, and I think, you know, North Carolina might be a little better than last year. I think app state's not so far. We haven't seen that app state is better than they were last year. They still have co- question at quarterback so i mean i i expect app state to be relatively competitive but i think it's maybe asking too much to see them win this game in chapel hill i think that i think the big x factor is whether app state and that secondary can kind of contain those receivers and that will be the difference i think that app state shows that they can hang offensively even with the new quarterbacks and the concerns there but I think the defense is going to be the big X factor. And I, I legit can't give you a solid answer to say, yeah, their defense can, is, is up to the task or they're not. I really don't know. But if that is the X factor of whether we're talking next week about a App State win or an App State loss. Next game, one I know that you have circled there, James Madison looking to flex in the Virginia Commonwealth as they travel to take on the Virginia Cavaliers thoughts on that game as they have not played in uh, 40 years. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the big things about it is JMU fans have been looking forward to this one 
for 40 years. You go back to 1982, JMU got their only victory against the Cavaliers. The next year, UVA won by a touchdown, and then they ended the series until until Saturday. Um, so JMU fans bought up a ton of tickets for this one. It's an hour away. Um, there's going to be a lot of purple in the stadium, but it's also going to be an emotional day for UVA. Their first home game since their first game. Yeah. Their first home game since um, tragic shooting, killing of three players last year. Um, so there's going to be some emotions and, you know, a good, a good size Virginia crowd too. So, you know, taking all that out, I think the teams are probably not separated by a whole lot. Virginia, JMU's definitely got some edge in certain areas, but there's big time quarterback questions on both sides. So I don't quite know what to expect uh, once they actually hit the field and get past all the ceremonies and everything to start it out. I think JMU's the better team, but the emotional and the we better win this pushes the Cavs to a close win. But there's no doubt that James Madison is, is the better talent on the field. Yeah, and that can go either way, too. I mean, you could they could be drained by the time the game starts after going through all that stuff uh, in the pregame. So, I mean, it's hard to say, like, how that will go. But, um, yeah, I do think JMU is probably a better team overall, but still, like, don't know what to expect from their quarterbacks going in. Another FCS game, one that I had circled thinking it was going to be a lot better game than what it's shaking out to be. Southeastern Louisiana travels to Mobile to take on the limping in Jaguars after that disappointment in New Orleans. I thought that Southeastern would come in and really struggle or or, or would give South Alabama a, a strong game. They went to Mississippi State, kind of laid an egg there, in addition to South Alabama. Kane Womack, the governor, he is about to wait, break out the whooping stick, and we are going to see a bloodbath much similar to the Oklahoma-Arkansas State game in Mobile. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be a 70-point blowout, but I think it's definitely an opportunity for South Alabama to take out some frustrations by just not playing to what they thought their capabilities were against Tulane. I think you know, maybe we build up that game a little bit too much, thinking that was the opportunity for the, the Sun Belt to knock off the top American team. But uh, it just didn't turn out that way and really kind of – I was extremely disappointed in South Alabama, but I think they're better than what they showed, and I think – it's a definitely an opportunity to kind of, you know, take it out on Southeast Louisiana. The final FCS game, Lamar of the Southland Conference, also traveling up to Monroe to take on the Warhawks. Lamar's only had football back, uh, I think, since 2010. And uh, first time they are playing the Warhawks in this rendition of their football program, it's not going to be close. I, I take that back. I think it'll be close because the Warhawks are still trying to find themselves and trying to really figure out that offense with a new quarterback in Will Herring taking over for Jira Wright. I think Jira Wright will still get some snaps, though, so I think that the offense is going to be kind of tinkered with. I don't see ULM losing this game, but it's definitely not going to be as big of a blowout, so to say, as what's happening in Mobile. 
Uh, you know, I'll have to take your word on the Warhawks. You're the experts there, but I, Lamar got blown out by Idaho in the opener. Like, I, I would think that, you know, ULM coming off what I would consider a solid victory against Army, like, you know, prove something. I think they're ready to, like, win this one fairly easily. But, you know, maybe, like you said, if they're experimenting on offense, maybe they're not putting up a ton of points. But I don't see – I don't see Lamar scoring much in this one either. Mid-major matchup, UConn headed to the ATL to take on Georgia State. Thoughts there? It's a dog and cat fight. And, you know, this is also, in addition to the, being the one-year anniversary of, of week two of last year with the big win, it's the 10-year anniversary of the Coastal Carolina cats and dogs coach fiasco. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw that video for the first time in a while <laughs> recently. But, yeah, Georgia State, I mean, I think I said it on the last episode, maybe we owed them a little bit of apology for overreacting when they were the only team playing on Thursday. And they, they, you know, squeaked out a close one against the SCS opponent. And then basically the entire Sunbelt East ended up doing the same thing on Saturday. Um, so if we're giving the other teams the benefit of the doubt about maybe looking towards a bigger game in week two, UConn coming off a bowl appearance last year, a big name, if not a big name football program in recent years. Maybe maybe the Panthers were looking ahead to this one too. Maybe we'll see a better performance. Maybe we'll see them get a solid win for for the Sun Belt against you know a UConn team that plays JMU later in the year. Um, <clears throat> it's just one of those games where I mean it looks okay if you win, but it's not one you really want to lose against a program of that caliber when that's kind of the measuring stick is to be better than these other group of five teams. I think it's a must win for, the, for the Panthers and a must win to showcase that they are actually uh, kind of riding the ship, you know, early on in the year. Sure. They've played the lights of Auburn and South Carolina early on in the <laughs> season. Um, and when we talked with Sean Elliott about that, you, you, that's what he said. You know, we had to pay the bills, do the money games and all that. This isn't a money game. This is this is an early yeah. season game, so this should be someone on, on on par with with the Panthers and able to kind of showcase what the Sun Belt can do and what the Panthers can do. Yeah, you just never know what to expect from Georgia State in September. They'll play really good against North Carolina or South Carolina one game, and then lay an egg against Charlotte the next. And like, is this the lay an egg game, or is this you know them coming out and playing pretty well? Our final ranked game there, Troy travels to Manhattan, Kansas to take on K-State. I'm not fully sold on this Troy team. Sure, they have Kydell, the leading rusher in the NCAA, 248 yards last week against Stephen F. Austin. But they still got to show me some defense. Giving up 30 points to the Lumberjacks is just not the type of defense that we're used to seeing out of Troy. They got to show it this week, and, and they have a tall task there going against the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, I do think that score got a little bit, um, I don't know, out of out of whack late. Um, you know, I mean, Stephen F. Austin, they did have twenty points at halftime, so maybe maybe I'm giving them a little too much credit. But you know, there was late scores that kind of made it look a little bit more. But 
I'm not that worried about Troy's defense. I just, I just, you know, he's hasn't been a head coach for very long, but I feel like John Summerall is always going to have a solid defense and probably, probably uh, made some uh, strong suggestions on things they could do better in practice this week. Um, so, you know, it's still going to be a very tough, very tough road for them against a really good K State team uh, in a place that's tough to play. Always a good crowd up there, but. If they get a better defensive performance and they can kind of control time of possession with their running game, I think they have a chance to keep it close and make it interesting going into the fourth quarter. I say defense is still the key for the Troy Trojans. They were fifth, they're currently 50th after week one in rushing defense and 91st in scoring. They got they got some numbers there that they really got to pick up on, and maybe they can do it this week. Maybe can't. I, I I'm definitely uh, taking the Wildcats in that one though. Another big game against the American, headed to the Creek. The UAB Blazers travel to Statesboro to take on Georgia Southern. Last year, this was the game that we had circled that was really going to be the make or break for Georgia Southern. When we thought that that this was the game that 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 could make their season or break their season, not knowing really about the Nebraska game or anything like that, Blazers bulldozed them 35-21. Do we really have a good feeling of what this offense looks like for the Eagles, of if they can really keep up with Trent Dilfer's uh, Blazers? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know right now. We've only seen, you know, one game against an overmatched opponent with Davis Brandt at quarterback. Um, but, I mean, I think I have a better feeling about Georgia Southern and maybe some other teams in the Sun Belt right now. Um, you know, we've talked about – we talk a lot about the Sun Belt versus the American. This is a new team in the American. we got another game like that to talk about before we're done. But, like, I think this is – it's huge for the conference perception wise to be able to win games like this against teams that I would think are probably considered middle of the pack in each conference. I kind of like Georgia Southern just, you know, maybe it's them surprising me last year that now I'm like not going to be surprised by them if they go out and do good things. Um, but I just feel like that program is really getting on solid footing right now. And look, I mean, the, the Blazers had a great game against North Carolina A&T, but that's North Carolina A&T. That's not a, mm -hmm. a FBS team. I mean, they had six sacks in the game. Uh, Jacob Zeno set a school record with 38 completions, but that's not what they're going to be facing this week. And I think that that's going to be maybe a little bit of false confidence in the Blazers that's going to allow the Eagles to get this big win for not only – Hilton, but also for the Sunbelt Conference. Yeah, and it's a little bit. I mean, you look at UAB, it almost kind of reminds you a little bit of Colorado where, you know, you bring an ex-NFL guy in and he talks a lot, and, you know, says a lot and like wants to play to the media and get some attention on his program. But it's still very early in his tenure. And as opposed to, you know, Clay Helton, got things turned around very quickly last year and now is in year two where he's really getting things established. Um, brings in another guy who fits his system at quarterback. I, 
I just like Georgia Southern in this one, which probably means that they'll lose by like two touchdowns. But but I like I like them. It's a cockfight on the till field. Jack State and Coastal Carolina. I take it personal that I can't pick the Gamecocks. It doesn't matter who they're playing. So I'm going all Coastal Carolina. But it will be interesting to see when Rich Rod was the OC at ULM. Coastal Carolina did have some struggles against that offense. And it will be interesting to see how much of that carries over, knowing it's largely the same staff, the same personnel even, and the same mindset that he has right now with his Jack State team. Another big game, though, where we're going head-to-head with Conference USA. To me, it's still something that the Sun Belt just needs to kind of put the finishing move on that league. Yeah, they do. And, like, from a Sun Belt perspective, I'm a little bit nervous about this one like i just you know i I, rich rod is a good coach and i think doing some good things at jacksonville state i think you know in a weekend conference usa that if he sticks around there i think they have a chance to be one of the better programs in that conference even as an fcs call-up and you know, I the perception if Coastal loses that one is not going to be good. But I just think, you know, I think Jacksonville State's going to be able to put up some points on that uh, teal turf and surf turf, whatever you want to call it. And I think um, I think it'll be one that is still very much in doubt in the fourth quarter. And, and I'm uh, to me, the one thing that I have circled as, as far as looking at this game is what does Grayson McCall do this week? He had a very uncharacteristic game last week at UCLA with two interceptions, only the one passing touchdown. How does he rebound? Or or is that maybe something that kind of sticks around in his mind and impacts this week and even next week as we move forward through the season? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's an ultra-confident guy who probably doesn't let things stick with him too much. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the nature of all the great quarterbacks, right? Is that they're, they're just cool and they're under pressure and um, handle those situations, have a short memory, but you know, it's also a brand new, brand new coach, a little bit of change the system for him. Maybe that had part, part of it was that, but also maybe that's a reason to expect a jump from him in week two. The game of the week. The one that I ripped through the page as I was circling it. Viva La Boobcats, 1-0, going to the 0-1 UTSA Roadrunners. Huge game, not only for Texas State, for in-state bragging rights, recruiting battles, but also another big game going head-to-head with one, one of the darlings of college football last year, the UTSA Roadrunners. And Frank Harris and, you know, the all-star quarterback that he is. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you hit on it. We we hit it on in our interview with Kef the other day, uh, previous episode. Check that out if you haven't already listened. Um, but it's big for Texas State and UTSA both because they're, they're neighbors. They're in the same region. They recruit the same kids. They are – gunning for the same attention from the same media outlets, everything. Um, it's it's a big one. I think you're going to be – are you going to the Alamo Dome for that one, Dusty? I am at the Alamo Dome. Yeah. Um, I mean, just 
in a bigger picture sense, we've talked about multiple Sunbelt versus American games. The Sunbelt didn't get it done last week against Tulane. I think it would be huge from the conference. I think it would be huge for Texas State to build off of their big win last week. You don't want to be labeled as a fluke for what you did in week one against Baylor by getting blown out by UTSA. Even if UTSA might be better than Baylor, it it would be such a huge step in the right direction for GJ Kinney if they continue to build momentum and can get another in-state victory against, like I said, his mentor and a guy he's going to see at high schools around Texas for years to come as they go recruit the same kids. I thought it was crazy when I was looking at this game. UTSA 4-0 all time, but there's only been one game that was really kind of lopsided. Everything else has been one possession game. So I am looking forward to this game. That's why I'm making the trek to the Alamo Dome. It, it's it's going to be fantastic. And I think that this is the game I almost believe fully in the Bobcats. And depending on how this game goes, I'll, I'll either be Viva or I'll just be a Boobcat. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it. What, there's four Sunbelt American matchups this week, right? And you want to see the Sun Belt go at least two and two, maybe three and one. We don't have a whole lot of faith in the Red Wolves right now, but the, the, whether or not it's a good week for the Sun Belt, a lot of it hinges on this game and uh, you know, us putting a ton of faith in the Bobcats or the Boobcats after, after that week one, Um, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're overreacting to one game, but uh I think uh, they have. I think they've shown they have a chance to really w- to win this one against a good UTSA team. And that's what it looks like for week two of Sun Belt Conference action. And now it's time for the even bigger part of the week: plugs, promos, and parting shots. Jeremy is not here to give us his, of course, because that would extend the episode even more. So, Shane, what do yeah. you have? This is going to be a short one without Jeremy uh, doing a five-minute plug, but um, yeah. Read Howlraiser. No, no, not not Howlraiser.com. You you can just check us out on uh, DNR Sports, dnronline.com slash sports. Um, You know, read about JMU in Virginia. We're going to put a ton of coverage up there this weekend, but, you know, there'll probably be stuff about the entire Sun Belt. Um, Yeah, I'll just continue to plug plug that work there Shane did you ever buy into the one chip challenge no was that Pringles no this was a how do you say it packy chip it was one chip special package it was like ghost peppers it was hot Ah. it was it, it was not for the weak of heart but how in the hell are they now being pulled off the shelf from a kid that died eating the chip? I don't get it. He, he, he passed as a result of complications suffered from consuming the chip at school. That he had a stomach ache and that was it. Basically caused some internal hemorrhaging. I'm glad I didn't uh, buy into that whole 
fiasco. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. It's terrible. <laughs> I will uh I'll avoid any uh, extra crazy chips I think uh, after hearing that though. Don't worry, I'll send you one. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.